and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. My name is Ryan, and this is the show where I talk to developers, programmers, and coders of all types who are in business for themselves, and I try to figure out how they got to where they are. So if you're a coder who wants to get into business, or maybe if you're already in business and you want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode two with Brad Hussey. My guest today is Brad Hussey, a web developer by trade. Brad is an entrepreneur and educator who lives in Southern Alberta with his wife and two children. He teaches people how to get their start in the world of web design and has helped hundreds of thousands of students learn how to design and code beautiful websites. Brad's mission is to teach aspiring entrepreneurs how to start a business they are passionate about, one that achieves freedom and abundance for themselves and their families, and he does this through his training programs at freelancingfreedom.com. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ryan. Pleasure to be here. So you and I have uh, known each other for a while, which I think is something that's very cool. Um, you know, unbeknownst to, to many people that you and I both know, we actually grew up together in the same town. We we grew up in northern Canada and we even went to the same high school together. Um, you know, we didn't hang out so much in high school, but here we are years later, both doing things in a similar space, you know, uh, developing websites, uh, selling our services to clients and also releasing courses. So I think it's uh, it's very cool that you and I have sort of found each other after the fact here after high school. Isn't that neat? That's I, I find that kind of fascinating how we started in the same place kind of went totally different you know separate different ways and i say separate meaning like we weren't like like you said we were in different grades and you know when you're in high school the grade nine kids stick to the grade nine kids the grade 11 kids like you know there's only probably a couple years difference in our um in, in, in our, you know, going to school, but, you know, we were in the same environment. We even played in bands, um, that played at the same shows and yeah, totally. we, we did like a lot of the same sort of things as you would in this small town in the high school. And then we kind of went our own ways, you know, you moved to a different part of Canada. I moved to a different part of Canada and that, you know, that would otherwise have been it. And it is the case for a lot of the people that I know, and I'm sure that likewise for you in high school where you just go, oh, I wonder what that person's up to. You know, they're totally not a part of my life in any way anymore. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. But like we just found like our paths kind of crossed and and are much closer. You know, the journeys are, are very similar in so many ways that uh, yeah. it was kind of shocking when we go, well, we're kind of doing the same thing. Well, we're doing a lot of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And I find that fascinating, right? Because there's not arguably there's not a ton of people that are doing what we're doing right i mean you, you see the course producers out there they're they're starting to to gain a number but there's not a ton of people who are developers and who are releasing courses yet you and i both growing up together are now on that same path so i i think that's very neat and uh i'm glad to, i'm glad that you're with me here doing this so um i i'm wondering if you can maybe catch me up maybe about you know what you've been up to lately and maybe actually before that even start with uh with your backstory what uh how did you get into programming how did get into being a developer uh what's your origin story and then i guess how'd you get into business after that too cool um totally that would be great uh let's see going way back this is just kind of something that i realized way after the fact uh, i always like to say like i didn't know i didn't know anything about what i wanted to do growing up i didn't have any idea you know i wanted to be a rock star and go you know and then eventually be a broadway star and do all that sort of stuff um 
And then I always would say, you know, my, to my students and stuff, you know, the re- the reality is, is that I became a web developer kind of from absolute being unaware of it. Um, and I'll get to that, but I kind of realized in early high school, uh, I had a band and I used to make our band website with like GeoCities and, mm. you know, those old website builders. Um, and I remember at the time loving it. You know, I mean, it was a lot of drag and drop stuff. And then if you knew some like tables and some basic HTML, you could really kind of hack something together. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I remember going like, this is kind of cool. You can manipulate, you know, this early version of the Internet that we, you know, that we had access to um, and create something and, you know, do this. It just seemed kind of like wizardry to me. And, and that was it. You know, I made like a couple little websites, you know, trying to show our music and stuff. And and I never really thought anything of it since, and probably a decade passed. And, uh, until I was reintroduced to, you know, creation for the web again, and then going to kind of the more practical part of my story, the more true origin of the story would be, I, uh, when I graduated high school, I went to musical theater school, fully thinking that I would, you know, in the very least become, you know, paid as a, as a theater actor and performer with my ideal dream being like, I'm going to move to Broadway and be a Broadway star. Uh, pretty quickly realized that that's not a very fruitful or realistic career choice. Um, and you know, normally you'd think, well, what a waste of two years going to college for musical theater. But the reality is, is I met uh, my wife there. I met Laura there and we went to school together essentially. And the purpose of me going there was to, um, to find Laura. That's what I believe. And after that, you know, our, we we were, um, the next step in that journey would be, we both moved, uh, to the same city after we, uh, you know, we both finished theater school, uh, and I got a job. Uh, try, I was trying to find a job to just be normal. You know, I've, it was my first introduction to it being an adult and I needed a job. I needed to pay rent and bills and things that I'd never been introduced to before. Cause you're pretty, um, in this little safe space when you're in college and university, uh, as like a, a new graduate of high school. And to get to the point here, I quickly realized like I have no hireable skills. I'm totally like this, this, what do I have to offer and what do I like? Was it kind of just, was it just kind of any job that you were looking for? What wasn't anything in particular, any, any sort of field, just whatever, whoever's hiring, whoever's hiring and whatever a job I could get, whatever I could get to pay bills. Um, I applied, you know, to be like a, literally a, a cow hand, you know, get up early. Oh, wow. You know, I applied for that. Uh, I applied to be a painter's assistant for just like someone who was just painting houses. Um, right you know, a bunch of places, probably Walmart, Starbucks, all the places that you, you would, you just pound the pavement, hand out resumes. And, uh, the job that I ended up getting was as a camping sales associate at wholesale sports, which is now a defunct company and no longer, (laughs) no longer a thing. (laughs) The funny little side note that I worked at wholesale sports and, um, you know, that was the beginning of my getting a job realized I don't want to do this. I don't want to work for $10 an hour and not be, be able to feel like I have some sort of purpose and a legitimate right. career. Um, and then now wholesale sports, isn't a thing that, like, huh. if you look back, you go, Oh, he worked at wholesale sports. What's wholesale sports. I can't find a record of it more or less. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after wholesale sports working there, uh, I basically, we went, moved to North Vancouver to, for me to attend Capilano university's interactive design program, which was hmm. the 
true beginning of me learning web design and being totally introduced to this whole world. Quick was that fast. sort of just the, uh, the sort of interrupt, but the, the no thought about getting into, uh, that program, was it sort of, were you thinking back to those days where you were building GeoCities sites and maybe, you know, that might be something interesting to pursue. Did you know that, that it was a skill that was in demand or how did you think about that? Yeah. So, uh, in that one year that I was working at wholesale sports as a camping associate, I also proposed to Laura and had to, um, I asked her parents and, you know, it's kind of difficult to say like, Hey, and I'm young, I'm like 18, um, yeah. or 19 maybe at the time. And, uh, her, you know, it's hard to say like, Hey, you know, I want to marry your daughter. And I'm like a young, like theater school kid, who's working at a camping store. I, I don't, I don't, I don't seem like a very prom promising candidate. So I knew <laughs> like what it looked like on the surface. And, but I knew that I was meant for something and I was going to figure it out. And you know, what I said to them was like, I am going to do this. I'm going to take care of, I'm going to take care of her and us, uh, you know, in, you know, in my very kind of new naive sort of way, like, you know, young in love sort of thing. But I knew like, this is the person I want to spend my life with and we're going to figure it out and it's going to be amazing. Um, but I have to figure it out. So, uh, I went on this hunt, both Laura and I went on this hunt. Like, what, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I, what, what do I want to be? Do I want to do music stuff? Do I want to do business stuff? I looked into business schools. I looked into uh, music management. I looked into, um, other technical fields like that. Uh, and in this, in, at that time I had actually been building with my iMac, um, on iWeb, just making my own website to sell my music. Uh, cause I, I'd still been recording music and writing music and just doing it for fun. And I thought, oh, if I can make some money at this, then that'd be great. So I built a website with iWeb, which I was like, Hey, I remember building a website and that my computer has a built-in website building software. Let's build a website and sell some CDs, which I did. Um, but I remember being like, this is great. I really like this website building thing. And then upon my, in my search of finding out what, what are good, profitable, legitimate lucrative, you know, even satisfying career choices. And there was a lot of this talk of like, you know, the, in the, in the technical fields, in the, um, uh, technical fields of like programming and designing stuff and, you know, working at agencies and studios. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds kind of nice. It sounds like I could do this sort of work and get paid for it. It sounds like a, like a, like a big boy job. Um, and so I went on a hunt for that and found Capilano university in the nick of time was able to apply. Uh, we, I got it approved and accepted. And after the year, you know, was out, uh, the following summer, we got married and we both moved to Vancouver. And that's where I went to Capilano university for my total introduction of, of into this whole new world. And, you know, I kind of knew like, this is the right choice. You know, the program had a, uh, uh, internship at the end, like a placed internship where you could work there. If you were a good fit, uh, they had a job fair. They said like, it was a really high success rate of people getting hired immediately out of the program. So I thought this is perfect. It's like, sounds like a dream. And it was an amazing program, uh, completely transformed so many, uh, well, it, it changed everything. It really was the introduction into like, uh, you know, in with two months of me starting the program, I was learning basic HTML, CSS, and some, you know, introductory front end stuff. And, uh, I, I started getting clients because I, you know, I had that entrepreneurial sort of fire I was like, nah, I, I can already, you know, see making money at this. And, you know, I got a client and then I got another client from that one. And then it was just like this, like, you know, 
growing of my client base on the side because of how much I love doing it and how much I saw how valuable it was. Um, and so I went through that program and built up my client list, you know, learned everything from, you know, HTML to design concepts and to, uh, like programming, building, uh, you know, databases, you know, to, um, audio engineering. Like it was a pretty kind of at the time we didn't use the word full stack, but it was like, it was a really stacked program where it allowed you to see the people who came out of that program either became developers, designers, uh, project managers. Um, you know, some of them are like leading game developing companies in Vancouver. Some of them are like in communications. Some of them are doing like video stuff. So it was this interactive design. It was like, you know, the inter interactive world of, you know, what we can do, um, online. And for me, it was, you know, building websites, design, uh, this, what I realized was front end web development, uh, you know, something that I didn't know what was called at the time, but that was kind of where my, where I like to be. I like designing. I'm a good designer. I liked, you know, building stuff. I'm a pretty good coder, you know, like, you know, like who, someone who's just a pure designer, you know, would probably run circles around me in Photoshop and someone who's like a, you know, a true programmer would run circles around me in, you know, building, uh, object oriented, you know, programs and everything like this. Um, but my expertise lied right in the middle. I was this hybrid. Um, and, uh, I was able to get clients building sites, you know, my theater, uh, diploma came in hand where I can communicate. You know, I, I was able to use what I learned about myself in that program, applying it to, you know, sales, getting clients, project management, you know, and then developing the stuff, designing the thing and delivering a product. And, uh, and that something that grew on the side. And, uh, and then that was the, that was the program. It was a two-year program. And the funny part is now, if you were to go look to say like, oh, I'm going to fact check Brad and see like, so this job at wholesale sports is not a thing. If you actually look at the interactive design program, at Capilano, it is no longer a thing. It's no longer offered. I was going no to longer. ask actually, if it's still around and, I used, and do you know why it was pulled down? Oh yeah. Um, basically the the higher ups in the university needed to make some cuts for funding and budgets and blah, 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 blah. And they decided despite a really large campaign from the students and the alumni and the teachers, the instructors, um, they had a really strong campaign saying that cutting this program is a terrible idea. It's one of the most successful programs in the university. If you want to use who gets jobs after the program and the interactive design program, like hands down was one of the best, um, success rates for getting a job. Even before you graduated, I was making money as a freelancer two months in and I could have just had my pick of the litter, but I decided to, you know, move away from Vancouver. Like people, everybody I know from that program is employed somewhere in that field and has been since they graduated. So, but they cut the program, uh, it, they eliminated it. You know, people who were in the, in the program are still in connections and have there's a pretty strong network of people, but it was, it was pretty sad because I thought, man, this program really changed the entire trajectory of my future. Uh, and I can't even refer people to it. So I couldn't say like, which kind of brings me to, um, I started freelancing, you know, I, I went and did a job for a year at a studio as a front end developer. And but you had uh, been, even since your studies, you were freelancing sort of on the side, freelancing on the along, side, you right. know, getting clients here and there and then 
word of mouth and just kind of letting that grow naturally, organically. And, uh, and then I started working in a studio. I got hired as a front end developer in Calgary, uh, building cool projects. You know, I talk about this in, you know, in my story quite a bit, you know, people tend to know this part where it's a cool job, uh, cool people. We did cool things. We drank beer. We did made lattes. You know, we had this big fancy Italian espresso machine. We played foosball. You know, we, we had a really good kind of uh, vibe amongst the people working there. Uh, but I just kind of realized that like, it wasn't for me. There were a number of red flags, uh, that I, that for me, it was, you know, it's not what I want to be doing. You know, I'm dedicating so much of my time. Out of curiosity, if you don't mind sharing, what yeah. would some of those flags be? Like, what were the signs that it wasn't, wasn't meant to be for you? Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, okay. So there was a couple of things for me early on where, uh, on the surface, it seemed really friendly and awesome. And this isn't me trying to attack specifically this one place. I don't want to do that because I still know, and I'm friendly with the people I work with and the bosses I, um, and I try to see them when I can. Um, but it's more so the working at a, at a startup at an agency in the tech and design industry industry kind of in general, um, you know, where your, your environment is like, it's, it's a cool space. They try and make it cool. You know, um, it's really like, like office perks, cool, sort of like foosball table. Yeah. Millennial friendly, you know, if you want to use that as a drop to kind of drum up an image and, uh, all the things are cool, you know, but because everything was like really cool, it was easy to just, you know, work too long, you know, ah, do you mind just sticking around for another couple hours with this really sick project coming up? Uh, I need you to just put in a little bit of time. Maybe we could talk about, you know, later on down the line, we could talk about like a raise and increasing your, you know, getting your pay up there and getting your responsibility up. And you're like, Oh man, this sounds cool. I sound I'm needed here. And, and it's a cool environment and I can't say no, like maybe I'll just, sure. I'll stick around. We get free pizza and beer after sweet. And so that kind of just like you started to, I started to feel stretched more and more and more. And then it came at the expense of, uh, you know, being at home and seeing my wife and that, you know, that was one thing. But then when I started needing, when I started burning out and going, man, like this is draining me and I like this job, but I'm feeling so burnt out. I need a, I need a break, you know, maybe because it's such a relaxed environment. Maybe I can ask for, you know, like a long weekend, ask for flex day. That was a thing, uh, that I was told about those flex days. You work in a few hours. We'll give you a throw you Friday. Uh, so I was like, can you mind throwing me Friday? More or less words trying to use the same kind of lingo and intention. And it was like, Oh no, 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 no that's no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's asking a lot of us. No, thanks. So I went, Oh, maybe this isn't quite, a, maybe this is just something that I see on the surface, but really it's not, it's not what it is. I thought it was. And that, that was continually a problem. Uh, I had booked a vacation, you know, your two week vacation that you get once a year when you work as an employee, it's, you know, you're supposed, it's legally you're required to take that time off and you're supposed to be, uh, even me booking that when I notified them of the dates, it was, I was penalized for it. Um, 
because they said they didn't know, but I had a record of letting them know. It was just kind of a mess. And it really kind of weighed on me emotionally and mentally. A lot of long hours, a lot of commuting. Didn't like driving the big city traffic where I was seeing accidents always. You could just, you're playing a lottery where you're like, one of these days, I'm going to be that car off on the side of the road because of the speed that people are driving, you know, the highway traffic. Everyone's like late for work. Everyone's a little stressed, not paying attention. Uh, you know, like you just, and I just, I don't like this. Like, this is like an hour of my time that I don't enjoy. doesn't add any value. I get to my job where I have to spend 10 hours there. And then I have to do another hour back. I get home. I'm exhausted. I have freelance work that I want to do, but I also have to be with my, uh, my wife and try and wind down before I start the whole thing up again tomorrow. Uh, and I don't feel appreciated, feel overworked. I'm not allowed to go on vacations. I get penalized for asking about taking a flex day. Um, and then there was like one day, Laura sent me a text and she's like, let's just like, you know, I can't remember exactly, but it was like, let's just get out here. Let's just like escape and move to Hawaii. And in my head, like, you know, it was just kind of a joke. Like, you know, she was just kind of being playful. Um, and I was like, okay, how do we do that? And it planted this like seed that never stopped. Not so much about moving to Hawaii, but freedom in general. Like, this is not how I want, this is, I've been doing this for six months at this point and I already hate it. How do I get the hell out of here and do it myself? You know? And I kind of realized like, what if I did it myself? Imagine what that would be like. Wow. I could work from home. I could go on a vacation. Instead of moving to Hawaii, we could just like vacation there for a month and I could work, you know, three hours a day. And, and then I could, you know, we could have more freedom and I could have more time and I could see Laura and we could have a simpler lifestyle. Maybe we can move somewhere cheaper, less expensive because we don't need to be in a big city. We can move somewhere else. And, and all these possibilities started like, kind of just like coloring my mind and my imagination. And I became like completely addicted to the thought of being free and having freedom uh, because I didn't feel free. I felt really trapped and I was even offered a raise in that short period of time, because I asked for it and pushed them on it. Um, and they said, sure, we'll give you a raise. Um, which was still less than my initial asking price for my salary, still very low salary anyway. Um, and they said, you know, with this new raise, like comes new responsibility. I was like, well, what does that mean? What was that responsibility? It's like, ah, you know, like work harder, harder hours, more hours, more time, more responsibility, you know, do some, take some stuff home. And I was like, no, but you had, you had the, you had a distinction probably of a new, a new fancy title. So, yeah. so maybe it was right. all yes, worth it. Right. right. You know, right. like, well, they had the part, you know, you could in agencies, like, you know, maybe at one day you could be the partner, you could be a partner there and you could share, you put your name on the wall or I don't know, any of that sort of stuff, you know, in there, in, in different agency models, you get that carrot held out in front of you. We're like, Oh, you work your way up and you know, you can, wow, this is amazing. And you can have so much more responsibility, how important you are. But it's, you know, it was more so like, how much time can I squeeze out of you? And I'll give you $3,000 extra per year. And it was like, okay. Uh, and so I've already been bitten by this freedom bug and realized like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to do this. And, uh, there was this one little mini part, this, this, thing that I did where when, after Laura said, let's move to Hawaii, I took it so seriously that I applied to every sing, out of curiosity, applied to every single design tech development, creative agency firm startup that I could possibly find on the Island of Oahu and, uh, got a lot of no's, 
some feedback, a little bit of follow-up from a few people and one yes, where someone said, they said, yep, sure. Uh, when can we get you out here? And I was like, whoa, wow, that got serious fast. Like I have a job offer to move out to Hawaii and work there. Um, so I had to look, I was like, okay, am I allowed to like Canadians moving to the States? What about the visas? What about what's the logistics and the reality? You know, what's the pay and what's the, so we really cons- uh, strongly talked about it and considered it for maybe a, a week. And then I kind of realized, you know, it wasn't from, you know, long story short, it wasn't going to work out. Uh, you know, someone might say like, why did you turn down a job in Hawaii? Uh, it sounds stupid in my head. It was, I can live and work in Hawaii and do the same thing I'm doing here, trading all of my time. The reason why you want to go to Hawaii is so you could be on the beach and go surfing, you, ha- you know, like, like you don't get any of that. You know, you get up, you got to do rush hour traffic. Honolulu traffic is the worst traffic in the United States next to Los Angeles. Is that right? um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so terrible traffic, get to work. You do work the whole day. You, the more and more responsibility, more and more time you get home in Hawaii. They don't have daylight savings time because the sun always sets at the same time every day of, of the year. So at about six, six thirty or so sun starting to set by the time you get home and you want to like hit the beach and go surfing, it's going to be seven o'clock. So tough luck on that. And so you're working for the weekend again. And you're just like now in like, you know, a foreign country, you know, on a beach, but you're looking at everybody else who's just doing that, doing the grind. And they're like, this is just an expensive place to me. And now I have a sunburn. And so, uh, so I realized it's not living and working in Hawaii that I want to do. It's the freedom to be able to go to Hawaii on my own terms or anywhere for that matter, you know, take a day off, go on a road trip, go to, you know, some random small town and go camping, you know, like I want to be able to do that and be there, not work all day and trade the same thing, um, in a different location. And so basically I said, no, but can you be my, I can work for you on a contract basis and I can help you achieve what it is that you would have hired me for in a contract way. And, uh, and he said, great. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. And so then I had a U.S. client paying me U.S. dollars, you know, and with the conversion rate, you make a little bit extra. Um, and I, now my client roster is even more important and serious and I'm getting decent cash from this client. And I go, Whoa, I can get clients. I already have a lot. What if I did that? I really think I could do this myself. I got, you know, five months to figure out enough clients to go full time and maybe make two to $3,000 in a month. And I was able to then hustle on that and get more clients, ask for referrals, word of mouth, build up my portfolio. I rebranded. I started Brightside Studios, which is my company name to this day. And uh, I was able to find a way to, when I got to the, the moment where I said, Hey, I quit. Um, I was ready and I didn't even burn bridges and say, Hey, I quit. Uh, it timed out that Laura got, um, pregnant within the time frame that we, you know, had planned to quit. And then we thought, is this a good idea or is this a terrible idea? Like you're pregnant we're going to have a baby, you know, the beginning of next year. Is this a terrible idea? Of course, some family members thought that it was. Um, but uh, I thought, no, I'm going to use that because if if we're having a baby, I need more responsibility. I need more money, and that means I don't get to be with you anymore. Essentially, you know. And now I don't have, I don't get to be with my baby, and that doesn't sound like acceptable to me. So I thought this is going to be the reason why I will not fail. 
right. and uh, use that as even more fire, fuel for the fire. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it, it sounds like it, it really lit a fire under you to to go to the lengths that you needed to, I suppose, to make sure that you were successful with yeah. your clients, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Talk to me about the the actual event of, of quitting your job. I mean, was it um, leading up to that too? What, you know, was it was it stressful in your mind? Was it was it really like were you kind of questioning it back and forth with with Laura? Like, was it was it hard to get to that decision, or was it like you know once you found out that you could do this, you could have your own uh, client roster and sustain yourself on it? Was it pretty easy? How, how did that go? Uh, I think when I was. Okay. I'm, there's, the answer to that is yes and no. Uh, meaning I was like not scared at all. Um, and I was totally terrified. Um, the re- the reason why is because the reality of it, when you let yourself go there, you go, what if I fail? What if like this, I'm just lucky right now and it's not going to work. What if I, you know, jump and I think I'm going to make it and I just like crash amongst the rocks, you know, like I don't make it out into the nice blue ocean you know, in my head. Um, but putting yourself, I realized quickly that think I'm going to be afraid anyway. I can use the fear to like, to eliminate the fire and the passion and the drive and the, and the persistence, or I can use it to make it, make the fire hotter under my butt so that I have no choice. Like you go down, you don't make it. So I'm not interested in not making it. Um, so I use that. I really, really use that fear instead of trying to like, how do I get rid of the fear? I really just used it and kind of jumped into it. Um, but also I wasn't that afraid because once I tasted that freedom, like once you kind of like, once you are, once your eyes are opened, once you, I felt like it was an awakening, like I woke up, um, that I like, I was like, there's another side to this. Kind of like the, uh, like, is it the Truman show where he kind of realizes that he's in this little bubble, he's in this little fabricated world, but when there's something else, you can't get that out of your mind. Like he will go to the end of, yeah. And so for me, it was like, no, there's something else. Like I, there's something better and that's what I want. And I've tasted it and I, I have an element of it and I can see how I can make it work. I'm really afraid because this is all I've ever known and all you're ever told about. And that's so scary. Mm-hmm. but the, I, it's one or the other. It's I, I trade it in and I do what it is that I'm doing right now. And I get less and less of what matters to me, or I go out into that kind of like wide open and, and figure out how to make it work. Well, it's so interesting because I think, you know, even though we are, I think getting more, 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 more people are getting acclimatized to this reality that the internet has enabled so many more opportunities than were ever there in the past. It's definitely possible to work for yourself to, you know, have this freedom that you're talking about, but there's a huge amount of people that don't yet know that and they don't appreciate it and don't realize it. Um, and it's, it's sad in a lot of ways because there are so many people that are in the same boat that you were, where they're commuting for hours and they're doing a job that they don't like getting, uh, no appreciation at work when really, you know, the reality for them could be quite different. Um, and so that kind of, that leads me into maybe another place we could go to, we could talk about one of the, uh, the courses that you offer, because you, I know that you like to talk about the, the freedom that comes along with freelancing quite a bit. And you've got a course that you offer 
offer that's uh, sort of particular to that. So tell me about your Freelancing Freedom course, um, what it's all about, what you teach, and uh, maybe even some of the stories that you've heard uh, from your students. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, maybe I will give this a slight bit of backstory to how it came, uh, how Freelancing Freedom uh, kind of came about, because um, it's this very organic process of 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 it being brought into existence, um, started freelancing very quickly realized freelancing, uh, after I quit my job that we talked about that, um, it's very inconsistent. You know, you can have like, you can make a lot of money one month because you get a lot of clients. And then, you know, the next month, you know, I, one of the months I made $708 and the month before I made like probably like $6,000. And that was like the most money I'd ever made in my life in a month. And I was like, Ooh, wow. 6,000 times that by 12, <laughs> like I'm making $72,000 at least. And then $708 came along the next month. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then we have a baby coming in four or five months at that time. And I'm like, okay not going back to the way it was. Cause that's not going to happen. I, I made my own bed. I burned the boat. I'm out here now figure this the heck out. Um, and so Laura was like, why don't you teach? Why don't you like go, go to the university, book a room, get people to sign up and teach people how to build websites. And I was like, that is an amazing idea, but I have one problem with it. Um, there's a limit to how much I can make with that. You know, this is the entrepreneur mind came out again. Um, and I've had that ever since a kid, you know, how do I, how do I make money doing this, selling this? Right. You know, I was a Dickie D selling ice cream. You probably even remember me riding around on the bike at one point. Um, yeah, I may have, I may have seen you on the streets yeah, of Yellowknife. So totally selling ice cream to the kids. Like I was crushing it, um, as a little like 12 year old boy. Anyway, moving forward, I was like, uh, if I can get 15, 20 people in there, you know, okay, what's that? If I charge like 50 bucks a head, you know, I'm like doing the math, doing the numbers and I go, how do I keep that going? But on top of that, I'm probably gonna have to dedicate a lot of time to teaching them each week. And you know, the time is valuable time is money, like, and that's not scalable. And I like the idea of teaching what I know and making money doing that. But I don't think me giving my time exclusively in one area is the right choice. Plus is the university going to charge me on top of that? Or they're going to say, who are you? Like you don't have any credentials and we don't have space for you. Um, so I thought, okay, this is the good idea. I got to find a different way to do it. And so very quickly found, you know, I was like, how do I do an online course? What's like, is online courses the thing found out online courses is a thing. And especially at the time, a pretty quickly growing industry and udemy.com came up. Uh, they had nice tools to create your course suggestions for making it good and they would promote it and they take a cut I go, I'm making $0 at online courses right now anyway. So you can take as much as you need, as long as you get me sales. Uh, and at the time they were asking a very reasonable amount. It's very different and complicated now at this point, but, um, uh, I created a course, uh, PSD to HTML five and, C and CSS three, how to take a Photoshop mock-up design a nice Photoshop mock-up, slice and dice it, code it up in HTML and CSS, HTML5 and CSS3. I was really, you know, cutting edge. And, right, uh, right. and people loved it. People like, like I, I launched it the first day. I mean, like, you know, 20 bucks or 30 bucks. I was like, Whoa, that's cool. And then the first month it was $200 and then 500 and then, you know, 600 and then a thousand. And I was like, Holy moly, this is, this is like, I wake up and I'd see all these notifications of people paying like 1999 for your course. And I was just like, okay, this is a new world for me. And, uh, 
those students started coming and coming and coming. And they said, I want you to do a PHP course. I want you to do a design course. I want you to do an HTML course. I want to know everything about HTML. I want to start from total scratch. And so I started creating courses and cranking out courses and cranking out courses and freelancing on the side. And the income started going up and the income started you know, like balancing out. There was no more up and down, up and down. It was just up, 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 up. Regardless of whether client work was up, client work was down, course sales were up, course course sales were down. I had these two, you know, products in my business that, you know, or directions that, you know, was able to not only sustain me, but grow and give me more and more ability and flexibility to say no to clients I didn't like to say, you know, I want more money for these projects or to, to, you know, work on a new course, reinvest it and improve a course. And it just like blew my mind. And so with that, you know, I was able to create this really significant online presence that, you know, today, um, on Udemy and my website code college and on YouTube for my coding tutorials for, for like new designers and developers, front end developers in that kind of new category. You know, I'm not in the angular world and backend development stuff. Like once you get to that, I can, I could talk to it, talk to you about it a bit, but I'm not passionate about taking you to the next level. For me, it's that like person who goes, how do I build a website? I'm like, not only am I going to show you how to build a website, I'm going to show you how to like be good at it, make really good stuff, and then get clients at it. Not get a job because I don't think that's not for me. I don't know how to get a job because I couldn't, I didn't keep one for one year. But getting clients, like that's like a thing. And more and more people from learning these, these, you know, how to code and design, and they said, okay, thanks, Brad, for teaching me these skills. Now what? You know, like, do I go get a job? And well, and then my answer to that was like, well, you could, but I, I don't have advice for you on that. And I, if I did, I, I'm not passionate about it. Do your own thing in that camp. But if you want to get clients, I think I can help you with that. And more and more people said like, how do I get a client? How do I make my own money? Carve my own path. Do what you did. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's like an opportunity for me. Teach what it is that I did. And so freelancing freedom came about from the suggestions and, and discovery and realization of all these students who are designers and developers and creatives, uh, wanting to forge their own path. So I created freelancing freedom, uh, in 2016. So this is like three years after me freelancing and doing coding stuff. Um, and I launched it in 2016, early 2016 based on what it is that like creatives and designers and developers wanted to know about getting clients and running a business and keeping that afloat. And that's what it started out as. And people, I, I would do traditional launches to my list. I'd grow my lists. You know, I, that's stuff that I learned along the way. How do you sell? How do you create a course? You know, not on Udemy, do my own thing. So it was a new level of like, this is a new world for me. And, uh, I would launch a couple times a year. It started to grow. It was a valid product and people wanted it. It was solving problems. I get messages from people saying like, I didn't know I was able to do this. Like you've given me not only the confidence and the courage, but like the tools to like to back it and to get clients and it's working. And, you know, some people quit their jobs and went full time. Some people would start up their side hustle. And that for me was like, whoa, I didn't. I didn't know that I could like that. I had this in me that I could teach people, you know, not only just like the specific skills, like, you know, how do you code and make stuff? How do you build stuff? Um, but more importantly, in my mind, what do you do with 
the things that you love doing with the skills and the talents and the abilities and the unique gifts that you have? How do you use that to escape this kind of snare that you're in into this brand new world of freedom that you never even knew that it was possible for you to have? Um, and like you mentioned, some people sadly don't even realize that, that that's a thing. That's an option. And they don't even re- like, it's not even that they are, they are aware of it, but unwilling to take the risk or to look further. It's, they don't even know about it. And that yeah, for me just was like totally foreign, totally unknown territory yeah, really. Yep. And so that became freelancing freedom. And it's been what I've been working on primarily as my primary project, um, ever since to, to 2016, been doing client work and obviously coding stuff and teaching coding stuff and maintaining and growing those things. But more and more freelancing freedom starts to, it keeps coming back into this, like, Hey, this is, this is more of what's aligned with your vision for what the sort of thing you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I've been kind of like discovering and, kind of wrestling with and, and trying to figure out, um, as we enter 2019 now. That's really cool. One thing I'm curious about is this mix of client work and course selling. Um, and you know, there's, there's various ways that people, uh, will approach handling client work and selling courses at the same time. Uh, either, you know, they'll, they'll have a mix or one will take a a lot of precedent over the other. How do you think about client work as you're growing your course business? Is it something that you, you still want to grow that you still want to have a part of your business or is that is client work taking the backseat at all? Do you want to do less client work going forward or do you want to try to maintain that? Cool question. And I actually really like the ask that because, um, to, it's a perfect segue into 2019 with freelancing freedom and the direction of it. Um, I realized from the advice of, from like the shouting of the students. And sometimes you take that advice and you run with it. Other times you just like, you know, you don't hear it. You know, you're not ready to hear it. Um, but people saying like, I want more, I want this. Like, what about this? You know, like the course doesn't address this and I'll do a live stream to talk about it and think, Oh, that solved the problem. Um, but then Laura, again, my wife, she, she said like, when was the last time you updated freelancing freedom? And I was like, well, I haven't like I launched it and it's the course. It's not like coding where you're like HTML is new. PHP is new. WordPress is new. Mm. Bootstrap is new, which has been a pain in my ass. Um, you know, <laughs> it's something that I've been trying to figure out. How do I do, th- how do I figure that out? Which is maybe a story for after or another time. But I said, well, no, I haven't updated it. And she's like, and are people asking for you to update it? And I was like, uh, yeah, kind of, but I'm doing live streams. You know, I'm answering their questions and Q and A's. She's like, that's BS though. You're just like creating a bunch of noise around the point. Like you, the point should be to have the best product that solves the problem. And then you can add extensions onto that as like added benefit to go deeper, not to address like actual concerns and problems that you should solve in the core product. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got to rethink this then. Um, and then I also in that realized that like my passion doesn't lie specifically with just helping web developers and web designers, because a lot of web developers and web designers, and this is kind of hard for me because by trade, I'm a web developer. And that's like what got me my start. A lot of web developers don't actually care about freelancing. They just want it on the side and it'd be nice to get some Mm. clients and, you know, it'd be fine, but getting a job and getting a good studio job, that's cool. You know, and if I did do client work, you know, it's maybe subcontracted work or agency subcontracted work or, you know, or, or, you know, maybe there's the odd, you know, not the odd, there's a good amount of web developers who really want to go their own way. Um, but I realized that 
it's more than just web developers and web designers that I wanted to open, open their eyes and give them the ability to do this. Um, it was people who want, had service-based businesses, people who started with client work, you know? And so, which brings me to your question, you know, is the goal to, you know, to like just do client work and get better client work and that's your thing, or is it to eventually get away from client work and to get into your products and courses? And so this is actually right now, freelancing freedom is undergoing like a complete overhaul from total scratch. Like I'm going to the beginning and addressing my own, what do I want this to be? What do I need this to be? What's the problem I'm trying to address? I'm taking my own advice going, who do I want to serve? How do I want to serve them? What is the outcome that I want to achieve for them? And, uh, you know, how do I get myself there? So I've identified four stages of, uh, building your own business that start like a building your own service-based business. Uh, now this isn't talking about people who want to like start up and, you know, like a, like a design firm or people who want to like open up a chiropractic practice. It's like people who have clients and that usually is like consultants. Those are consultants, freelancers, web designers who, you know, build websites. Uh, you know, there's an HR human resources, uh, consultant in the course right now in the community. And so I was like, I don't want to just like say like, how do you get, how do you get web design clients, you know, and that be it. Cause I, I have more than that, you know? And so the four stages, that I've identified, um, and that I'm working with for the course and lineup of courses for 2019 for freelancing freedom to address each of these. So the first stage, um, is the very beginning. It's, it's launching your business, launching your service-based business, getting started. It's like where I was, you know, getting started from the scratch. How do you get clients? How does it even work? What's the deal? You know, like what should my business be? And like all of the questions, all the total introductory foundational and not like this isn't probably some of the hardest stuff. Um, stage one, you think like, Oh, that's for like the beginners and the babies. Like, no, this is actually probably the hardest versus stage four, which I'll get to. Um, cause you're starting from zero, you know, going from, you know, what they, like what they say with, uh, cause, cause you, you have, um, a kid, do you have, do you have two now? Or, or no, one? I've got one. Yeah. Okay. I've got okay. One. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, they say going from zero to one kids is like the, the biggest transformation. You go from not being a parent to being a parent and everything that good and bad that comes with that. So it's like this transformation. Then that's a big, you know, a lot of people are afraid to have kids or don't want to have kids or defer having kids. Like we, we get it. And like, I'm sure you get it when you go, you know, like now's not the good time or maybe I don't want to, or maybe I don't want to yet. There's a lot of fear around it. Um, and then you think like going from, you have a kid going from one to two, you're like, Oh, I kind of got this. Well, you got the principles of free of parenting, but going from one to two, you've now, you're now doubling. So it's not as hard as going from zero to one. That's I think the hardest, but going from one to two, you're now doubling what's there with some experience. And then people say who have like three kids and four kids and five kids and beyond, they're like, after that, like it's, it's like, it becomes exponentially easier. The oldest kid starts helping the youngest kid. And so yeah, they it, just let the, let the kids take over. Exactly. And so in this, it's going from zero to one, you know, it's not like, Oh, stage one launching your business is like, Oh, for the beginners. It's actually the, the I think the hardest, um, cause you're going from zero to one. Uh, and so that's what I'm working on. I've written most of the content for it right now. I'm about to, you know, start validating it, maybe even pre-launching it and kind of really getting that out there now. Um, 
Stage two is called, I have it on my board, systemize your business. So stage one is launch your business. Stage two is systemizing your business. And that's okay. I got a business. I got some clients, you know, I'm probably doing this part-time, a side hustle, you know, or I'm kind of thinking about going full-time, uh, but I don't have order to this. There's no, there's no real structure to this. I don't have any plan. It's just kind of like word of mouth and whatever happens, happens. Systemizing is, is, um, creating structure and predictability and optimizing at stage one, you're not fully booked. And in fact, you're probably booking a mishmash of different clients of all different types. And you have no idea what you're making next month. Stage two, systemizing, you not only have more predictability and structure, you could probably even predict what your income is going to be. And you have things backdated and you're pre-booking and you have structure. You're like a pretty legit business. Um, something that you might even go full time with. Uh, so that's stage two. And at that stage, you're meant to get fully booked. How do you get your best clients, your favorite clients, the type of clients you want with the price that you need and fully book your calendar, not only this month, but let's say three months down the line. How do you even make that happen? Is that possible? Yes, it is. Here's how we do it with stage two. Stage three is productizing your business. So now you're, you, you not only started your business and you got some order, you've like fine tuned it. Now you got a machine and you maybe even have like in stage two, you like automated systems to bring traffic to, you know, you were taking this like online business world and I put it into stage two and go, you can, you can have order to your business and use all the things that these like online course creators are doing in your business. You can do webinars, you can do like Facebook ads, you can do a bunch of different not, not just knocking on doors and hoping for clients. Like you can actually have structure and order and be a legitimate business. We want to get that dialed in first so that, you know, your clients, you know, the problem you're solving and you're, you're getting really good at it. So stage three is productize. And that's how at this point now do I introduce a new offer within my business? Now, this isn't, how do I quit client stuff and do a different business and be an online course person like all these other people making lots of money. Um, it's no, 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 no. Like I have a lot of students who say, oh, maybe freelancing isn't for me. Maybe I should be a course creator. And I go, whoa, okay. There, there is a direction to do that. Some people, you know, there's content and resources available for you to like start blogging about like succulents and then, you know, build up an authority on that. And then eventually you introduce a course and you can do that. But most people aren't most people, you know, uh, are going to fail at doing that because they have no idea. And it's, 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 it's a long, it's a long, long, long game. Uh, and you're also playing a bit of a lottery. There's a the science to it, but when it comes down to it, I'm not passionate about te teaching that route. I don't, I don't identify as a blogger first blogging for me is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, it's like, you have a, you have a skill, you have an ability, you have a technical ability or, or, or a gift or something that you want, you want to work with. You want to make money at your passion. How do you profit with that? You have to start with service. You have to start with clients, understand who you are, who they are, what the problem is, how good you can get at solving it. Once you've done it enough, you start to see patterns. Your product comes from those patterns. So stage three, you've dialed it in. You're good. You're making probably pretty decent money. You can go full time, maybe even better than that. Then you can say, what are the patterns and what are the, what is the, what are the patterns that I can see? And what are the things in here that I can do to introduce a new product and something that is essentially, um, more or less passive. You know, this is where passive income gets introduced. You know, it could be an online course or a book, you know, a digital or physical product, you know, there's options, but I come from the angle of 
you know, you can use your expertise because you're, you're not building a widget, you're providing a service. So how do you take that service and that knowledge and package it into a digital product? So an online course could be a small course, could be, you know, lots of different, we, we can get into that another time, like all the different ways of delivering your information and expertise. And then how do you use that as an offer within your current business. So you have all these clients who ideally are paying you your full rate. You're making good, you know, maybe you get one or two clients a month, but it's like, you know, you're, you're booking three to $5,000 projects or more, you know, how do you, are you going to now create a $10,000 course so that they can buy that up there? No, I think where it is, is there's a big gap from that zero to your high octane client. So how do you get all those people that now you, you are not getting as clients. You know, you don't want to work with the $500 client anymore. You want the $5,000 client. But what about the people who could eventually be $5,000 clients or be your little army of word of mouth, your referral network? You know, you're not um, serving them anymore because you're up here and you want to be. Um, With an online course, when you come from the service and consulting route, you can then say, what of this can I distill into patterns and like a formula or a direction? Like, how can I educate this lower customer who's not up here? How can I educate them on what their problem is, uh, help them understand how the problem affects them? Um, and how can I take them through a journey to help relieve the problem or solve the problem and give them the tools and the ability to do it themselves, you know, maybe to find the right person to help them, like educate them, whatever your course is, you know, it could be a bunch of different things. You know, if you're an SEO person, you could teach your, you know, your students how to do SEO for their business, for their dentist practice, for their, whatever your niche is. Um, you know, if you're a brand identity consultant, you know, you want to teach them how to understand what brand is and the value of hiring a professional, what to look out for red flags, lots of things like this. The content varies as much as the person's personality and their niche and what they do. But now you're, you're, you're in this market of people who can't hire you anymore and you don't want to work with them and they can't hire you and you can serve them automatically by saying, I can help you. And it only costs $200, $100, $500, whatever positioning you're using. And they'll be much more willing to purchase that. And then that could be set on autopilot. And then now those people are making you an additional stream of income and you productized your service successfully. The more that grows, the more those people can turn into your flagship consulting clients um, and then the more this grows, your passive, you know, your course, your product, the less you need to do client work. And you can just do either really high ticket consulting where you say like, yeah, I'll help you. It's going to be 10 grand. Or I don't, I'm going to say no to most projects, except for the ones that like really, really bring me joy. Um, because this is paying the bills and this is like beginning to be like more like a passion project or and not to make it seem like, oh, now this doesn't matter because now it really is like important. So if someone wants your expertise, you know, you say no to most stuff and you just get to work with the people who you want and, and, you know, you want to transform with your consulting and your service and work on, you can work on bigger projects then higher budgets, you work with higher, higher octane clients, you know, so that starts to naturally grow. And then step four. So that was step three, which is like a really exciting stage for people. Um, but a lot of people want to cut the line and kind of try and, you know, start there. You need to know who you are, who your client is. You need, you need to start from step one, um, and you might be moved through them quickly, but you need to start there. Um, 
and step four, I call elevate your business. Um, and that's taking that stage three and elevating it to all new level. And that's okay. Now I've got a product. How do I introduce another product that is positioned properly? You're starting to get into like really deep level kind of like, or high level rather uh, business strategy. And you start to understand more of the psychology. You start to understand like um, strategies you can implement. You know, there's people who really dial in a webinar, you know, funnels and automation, um, to, you know, advertising, to partnerships, to, you know, hiring a team and growing and scaling. Like these are things that like, you don't need to really worry about in stage one, because you've got way more to worry about in that stage. Stage two, like, don't try and like jump the line and do what this guy's doing. Like, you know, if you're just starting to work out and you see someone like, you know, benching something insane and you haven't trained to get there and then you just go and try and do it and you break your back, you'll get there but you got to go through the stages to train yourself, you know, to get yourself to like high operating ability so that when you get to stage three and then ultimately stage four, you can then say, okay, not only do I have a business, I have a parts of it that's running automatically. I have good clients that I know who they are. I've got it dialed in. And I like that, like you're, you're mint. How do you then take that to the next level? What next? How do you scale your product business? How do you, you know, you know, implement maybe a paid strategy? How do you, you know, go deeper? How do you establish relationships that can take you even further? How do you establish an even longer term goal and vision and a mission to get yourself there? So it's like stuff that for me, I'm, you know, I, uh, these are all stages that I went through, um, that in some cases I didn't, I did well. In some cases I did by accident right now. I feel like I'm in that stage four where, uh, and, and a little bit of stage three, um, I'm kind of like straddling the two, um, because I'm still trying to like get, cause I didn't learn it from somebody other than just like piecemeal trying to figure it out as I go learning by failing, learning by winning. Um, so I'm still trying to like, okay, how do I, how do I make sure I'm dialed in at stage three? And then, so I can only go all in on stage four, stage four is that stage, you know, where you're at a totally different level. And that's not just income. That's not just saying you make tons of money because you can get lucky with making tons of money and you have no strategy. You know, it's not that it's like long-term it's taking what's working and like, just, you're no longer like introducing the machine, which is stage one. You're like fine tuning the knobs and the wires. You're like trying to say like, how do I get this to like, how do I get this to a totally different level? You know, how do I be that person who's benching you know, what that guy's doing, you know, how do I get to that level? And, uh, that's, that's what I'm working on right now. And when I'm, I'm trying to be transparent with the students of like this transformation that's happening in freelancing freedom and they're pumped because they thought they're going to quickly outgrow freelancing freedom because, well, they want to do a course and, you know, they're not really a web designer. They're, you know, they're a graphic designer or they're a programmer or they have a business idea for a startup or, you know, they're a consultant and they're not even in the design field at all. And I go, no, 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 no. It's like, I'm not the like teach web designers to get clients only. Like I can help you do that. Sure. Especially because I come from that angle. So I know you, but there's the principles and the, the, the underlying direction that you can take in any service-based business that you want to essentially, you know, start your own really lean work from home business, work from a coffee shop business, work while you're traveling business, like something that is like, you know, starting simply with service and then taking it from there. 
That's really cool. I mean, one, one thing that I see quite often is that people who maybe, maybe if they are in a service-based business, you know, I'm speaking from the, the web development world, mostly there's a lot of people that want to try to get out of offering that service and, and rely instead on some kind of product, whether it be a SaaS app or a course or whatnot, but you're taking the approach of saying you can have a service-based business and you can systematize it, systematize, systemize, you, you can systemize, you can systemize yeah. that business. You can uh, create a machine out of it essentially. And you can offer your services in a way that's sustainable for you, where you're not going to burn yourself out by getting more clients essentially. Right. You're, you're creating this machine that underlies the whole thing. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. No, that's, and, and especially web developers, it's sometimes it's, I find it easier to coach and instruct, um, and lead like a consultant who comes from a totally different field. Like I said, there's an HR, uh, student and like, I don't have any HR examples in the current course because it's like, if you're a web developer, if you're a web designer, but the, you know, you can see the principles that are there. Um, but I'm like, Whoa, like, no, like I can see very clearly how you can get yourself in a position to win to do well, to make, you know, like consistent money from client work. And you want to be able to do that. And I want to see that happen for you. And wow, I feel really good about, you know, your progress or, you know, you know, your ideas and you moving like, wow, I thought maybe I was just the web design, get web designers, clients guy. Um, but developers specifically, because, you know, for a developer, you know, you just kind of set it there. You go like, well, I don't want to just like build, you know, and program stuff for like a company and, you know, you know, for you to get good work, you're going to subcontract stuff and you're going to be a part of a bigger project and, you know, things like that. Whereas a web designer can just, it's, there's almost a clear cut path where you could like, yeah, people need identity stuff and they're building businesses and I can help them look really good and maybe build them a site while I'm at it. Programmers and developers are like, Oh man, like how do, like, am I just, I'm essentially working from home doing these projects for other people. I'm not even building my own business. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm an extension of that job and I just now get to be at home. Right. Um, Almost just like a contract worker instead of a full-time employee. Yeah. Right? And for me, it's like, no, I, like I want people to start a business and programmers aren't exempt, exempt from that. They're just a little bit harder because you have to make them unlearn some stuff. Um, because then, you know, you'll get thinking like, okay, well, at some point I just cut off the client work and then I pursue my passion, which is like building that really sick app. Like I've talked to so many programmers who have really good ideas. Like they're, they're, they don't think they are cause they're really logical, but like, they're, they're really like these little like giddy dreamers inside. Um, but they don't, they don't pursue that because it's, you know, there's no logical way to get to that other than maybe luck or something like that. Um, so they have these really good ideas, you know, worked out in their head. Like I remember years ago, I had a friend who almost basically told me word for word, his idea for what is essentially Uber today. Gotcha. Okay. And he, he, and I was like, at the time I was like, how does this work? What about safety? What, how do you, and he's like, no, then there's a phone and then you can see where they're going and you can have an emergency contact. You can GPS locations, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, holy crap, man, this is an amazing idea. Uh, but that was it. It was just kind of a dream. Cause you're like, oh man, that's a kind of a pipe dream. Like building that funding, like I got a job, like, I don't know. I'm not good enough to do that. Um, and I had a lot of, uh, developers and programmer friends who have really good ideas because they can see they, they like, I could build that for sure. Give me two weekends and I'll like hack a minimum viable product. Sweet. But, uh, they don't do that because it's kind of like, it's a dream. 
It's not reality. It's not getting money from a subcontracted reputable company. And, you know, it's easy for them to, to not see a clear path and like, well, no, 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 no. Like you have a talent and an ability and, and, and a vision. So I'm trying to tell people, regardless of where you're coming from, you know, you have a, a, a skill and an ability, a gift, an idea. How can we take that and turn it into something that you can be really excited about? And for the developer, okay, maybe the way that you fund that you're getting client work and you, you got your contracted work. Sure. That's fine. If that's your story to make some money, you got to pay the bills. You know, how do we make that better? Uh, how do we eventually get you into creating a business that's not so much about you, you know, what of your services and your skills can you do to, um, to start getting clients? No, for, for me, like, cause I was teaching, um, I was doing contract work, uh, but also freelance stuff in a more creative sense. Um, but then I started teaching like what I knew. So I was teaching, like, I didn't even realize at the time, like people who wanted to build websites for their, for their company, they're like, I have a good startup idea or like, or I have a business idea and you know, I want to like start that up and I don't have, I don't have a thousand bucks for a web designer and I'll just, I'll just hack it together myself. I'll find a tutorial. They'd find me. They'd learn and they'd go, wow, this is actually really fun. This guy's good at it. I have a really good idea. What if I just ask him to do it? And then it became like a source of like uh, uh, client work and leads for me. Me just teaching people how to do it themselves. And so there's lots of creative ways where you could use your talents and gifts and abilities to get client work and to you know optimize that and to use that to fund other parts of your business. It's not so much this cut and dry, you know, do this until I don't need to, and then throw that away and then do this. And then it's just, that's very fragmented and you don't want to do that. You want to, you want to have it be a part of this whole piece. And, um, a lot of web developers need to unlearn kind of their mindset of how do I build a business programming things? Like, okay, let's, you're going from like, okay. And then they ask like, what programming languages do I need to learn? Te oh, mm, teach me, details, teach things. me that, teach me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Whoa. You're like, you're, you're just living an employee mindset. Let's try and unlearn that and change that. And you have, you have an insane talent and really good ideas. Let's work with that, you know, and let's go from there. How can we find something that works for you? Because a lot of the people who come in have no talents and abilities other than some basic stuff and a real passion for for freedom. And then you can teach them how to solve problems and create a business. That's all a business is solving a problem for someone who needs it, that you want to help. Programmers are like, okay, but then what skills do I need? And then like, what, what languages do I need to learn? And maybe I need to go back to university for this and then do this. And I really hate my job and I really hate doing this. I really wish I could do this. And you're like, so you have to work a little bit creatively with uh, programmers I found. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we should probably switch gears a bit here before we wrap up. I, I wanted to get your your thoughts on um, what it is you'd recommend for people who, who and programmers specifically who want to get into uh, the course creation game. So 
programmers who, you know, they've got the skill, they know that uh, teaching it would be probably a marketable avenue. What would you recommend in 2019 is a good way for them to get started? I know that you've done a lot with Udemy. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Udemy, uh, where it's at today, what you think of it. And, and then I guess how, what's the best way for a programmer to get started selling courses? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it depends on what it, no, first of all, knowing what it is that you want to teach. Um, do you just want to just teach a programming language? Do you want to teach a certain avenue of programming languages? Do you want to teach how to do something specific with a programming language where it's not so much the programming language itself that you're teaching? It's the, you know, it's what you are creating the end goal, the product or whatever is the primary point of the course. And then the program programming language just happens to be the vehicle in which you use to create it. Um, maybe it's not even a programming thing at all, you know, but you use your ability, your programming ability to, you know, to get yourself, uh, to help yourself out. So, so there's lots of different ways you could do it. You know, for, for me, I just basically taught, like I taught what I know, you know, that's the, uh, one of the principles of convert kit, teach everything, you know, um, and for me, it was just, okay. Uh, I want to teach people to like design really nice websites, you know, programmers aren't good designers. How do I teach them how to be better designers? Uh, designers suck at coding. How do I get them to like get on board? And so for me, it was like, I was a front end developer and I was like, Hey, designers don't have to be like dum dums in the eyes of the programmer. And like the, the programmer doesn't have to be this like totally logical, like uncreative doofus to the designer who doesn't get it. You know, you could be both. And so I was teaching what I knew. How do I, how do you do that? How do you design something and how do you code it? But then I also knew how to make a business out of that. So I said, okay, how do I, I taught what I knew. How do I get clients? I'm still teaching what I know, but at a totally different level now because I've learned a lot. And so a good rule of thumb would be teach what you know. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean like teach the exact thing that you're doing because maybe you're not even that passionate about it. Um, you know, so that's where you have to try and align what it is that you want to do with, um, what it is that, you know, will actually work other people want, and then finding, you know, working with the right people. So, you know, if you're like a Python programmer, you know, okay, you can teach Python, but what outcome are you trying to teach? Are you trying to teach newbies to become Python programmers to get jobs or to get clients? Or are you trying to teach, you know, uh, Python programmers to build a certain project or app or, you know, end result. And it's not so much the Python, it's the building of the app game, whatever thing you're trying to do at the end. Um, you know, thinking about what it is that the outcome, the learning outcome for the student itself. So, you know, don't just teach like the ins and outs of Python because it's, you could find that somewhere else. And if you want to do that, you're going to have to stand out in some way for me. Like it was like my personality and the way I communicated, um, something, you know, you could find HTML courses elsewhere, but for some reason people liked mine because I communicated it in a way that I learned in theater school, this built in thin me. It's like certain gift that I had. People went, wow, I really never heard of it this way. I never thought sitting, looking at a bunch of lines of code could be so hilarious and fun. Most people don't do it that way. You know, that's why they liked me. Other people are insanely smart and they build the coolest projects and they can get through their humdrum monotonous voice because the end result is spectacular. That's their 
unfair advantage. Mine was my ability to communicate and teach and uh, the personality aspect. Other people, it's just the project or a different take on it. So you need to take in, like, into a formula what you want to do, what you want to teach, the, the learning outcome of the student that you're teaching, um, you know, versus and then teaching what you know, using that as a bit of a guideline. So it's not so much start up a Udemy course teaching, you know, PHP, because maybe that's it. Maybe that's what you want to do. But, you know, I think uh, there's enough of that out there. And especially, you know, when I first started on Udemy, you could just put out an HTML and CSS course and be the number one person on Udemy and then ride that wave. And then, you know, so I had a pretty unfair advantage that way where I kind of got in pretty early. And on top of it, people tended to like what I created and how I did it. So I kind of got to shine really quickly. Um, Things have changed though. On Udemy. Changed. It's, it's, it's a different landscape now. I guess sheer volume really is, is one of the, the reasons, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. just, there's so much content on Udemy now that it's hard to stand out in the first place. And yep. um, I think too, like something that I've seen on Udemy is, those that get a bit of a foothold and are standouts, their 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 presence on Udemy tends to only increase, right? And then everything else below them almost seems to decrease. That's what I've kind of noticed as yeah. as more content, as more volume uh, is put on Udemy. So would yeah. you like? Would you say that Udemy is a good place to get started now, or what other? What other kind of platforms would you look to if somebody's starting in this day and age? Yeah. Now, I wouldn't say avoid Udemy and I'm not going to like bad talk it or, you know, bite the hand that fed me and continues to, you know, uh, provide a nice source of revenue for my business um, and also traffic. You know, I get like I have I have almost like 400,000 students on Udemy and like the number grows insanely every month, uh, both in the paid and free courses. Um so I'm not going to say it's a bad option, but I also know that I'm in a little bit of a unique position. I was, I'm kind of one of those, like I, the algorithm and the people at the time, uh, saw like, Ooh, a, a bit of a rising star. People are interested in this. The traffic is finding its way there. Let's bump that one up because it makes them more money too. Um, so, you know, you're playing a bit, you're playing with a search engine as well. Um, and the more and more people who get in there, the more and more people start trying to game it, trying to hack it, trying to find different ways. And then it no longer becomes about the content. It becomes about your technique and your strategy. And I've seen a lot of really big players on Udemy do some really shady stuff um, to get them there. And then Udemy would start cracking down on it and implementing policies and banning people. Um, and I've seen some drama happen with people that I saw as either direct competitors or people in a totally different field, but like maybe competing for like a Udemy top instructor spot who, who gets like an award or gets like a nice email shout out or something. Um, and so it was kind of a bit of this like wild west Udemy when I started and I got to see all these like crazy changes that, um, they were in place because of the amount of volume of students and, and specifically instructors uh, on the platform. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a bad option. Um, in fact, I, I, you know, I would probably tell someone if you have an idea for a course and you want to test it, um, tr- try it on Udemy. They give you a nice suite of tools and software and, and uh, tech to get a, an, an instruction. They have amazing instruction for how to create an online course on Udemy and set, validate a course, you know, create a simple course uh, that you can let them do the marketing and, you know, and see if people want it. 
And then, you know, you're not going to get rich off of it. It's unlikely. Um, very few do on Udemy. And even in, it's very volatile, even in that, like probably top 10% uh, of course, um, online course creators within the platform. Um, they even put share the numbers like most instructors make $800 or something. And that was something from like a couple of years ago. I read, I'm sure the number is different or some something now, but it was, you know, it's not like you don't do this to like get rich quick. It's like, you got to create a good product. Um, and Udemy might be a good place to validate it, especially if you have zero audience. Um, now coming from the other side, there's a lot of people who say, don't go the marketplace route, not necessarily Udemy. There's other marketplaces. Udemy is the top dog, but they, you know, create your own thing, own your own audience, build your own email list and attract people on your email list who want what you're going to offer, find their problem out, solve their problem and get them to pay and do it all yourself. And that has been one of the most important things that I've ever done. Um, but it's not eliminating that Udemy was important or continues to be important at this time with my business. Um, it's just, it's a longer route. You have to build a list then you have to figure out how to build a list. And then you have to figure out how to like create content. And all of a sudden you're a blogger and there's a lot that goes on with that, that with Udemy or a marketplace, you could just like create a course, put it out, you know, do your best, check off all the boxes you know, test it with their, with their marketing efforts. And then maybe, you know, you're like small Facebook and social media following. And if it's working, you go, Hey, this is actually kind of working and that's exciting. And when you make your first dollar online, it's like, it changes your entire, your entire world. And so then you can go, okay, how do I make a little bit more of a long-term strategy here? How do I create my own thing? Uh, and that's where you might want to check out something like teachable.com where you can, it's, it's just a place for you. It's a third-party software and website that, gives you the ability to do your own courses. You own your list. They do take some cuts and fees, uh, depending on the plan that you're in from free to like professional level subscriptions. Um, but it's not, they don't take, it's not, it's not like a marketplace. They don't market it for you. It's all up to you. And so the fees they take are totally, totally different, way smaller. Um, and it's up to you. The success or failure of your business is entirely in your hands, uh, in that case, whereas it's partially in Udemy's hands, mostly in your hands when you're in the marketplace. So teachable.com, thinkific.com is a Canadian option. Um, for anyone who's like, you know, wants to try out, you know, they're, they're direct competitors and both have really good pros and cons. I happen to be with teachable because I have been from the very beginning. Um, but you know, uh, I do appreciate what thinkific does. And, you know, sometimes I'm tempted to like try them out, you know, and just kind of like go, go around. But, um, th there's a lots of different program, uh, platforms that, uh, and software and websites that allow you to do that. But, you know, building your list, something like ConvertKit, even MailChimp, if you want to go really small and simple. Um, there's uh, teachable thinkific. And, uh, and then once you get in that world, it all starts revealing itself to you. You know, you start to find the people who are doing it well. You start to learn about Facebook ads. You start to learn about funnels. You start to learn about this stuff and you don't have to know it all at once. You just, you just kind of get started. That's what I would think. It, it sounds almost like Udemy is, is a good way to get your feet wet without a lot of 
upfront legwork on your own part, right? Without having to figure out the whole system, the whole game ahead of time, without knowing those pieces, Udemy is a good way to to taste, uh, you know, what you might be getting into if you want to do it on a more full-time basis. So that's, uh, that's great. I think this is probably a good, uh, point to start wrapping up. Brad, is there anything you want to, uh, to plug before we go? Anything you'd like to promote? Um, well, like I kind of mentioned, like my big, my main project, my main focus for this year, uh, my mission is to kind of really focus on freelancing freedom. So there's going to be some big changes. So at the time of recording versus the time you publish this and the time someone might hear it, uh, it could be very different, um, from what it is happening right now, but freelancingfreedom.com is kind of my main, my main project. And it's, as you kind of heard, it's my, the place where I'm going to help you, um, take what it is, earn a living and supporting your family and your lifestyle, doing what you love by starting a business, uh, and starting with service and working your way up into creating something really meaningful. that provides purpose, uh, freedom. Cause that's the point. And, uh, and then that's what I'm working on. So freelancingfreedom.com is my main project. There's, there's free courses and stuff happening there. That's my main project. Otherwise, bradhussey.ca. That's where you can kind of, that's my hub. That's where you can find out any of the latest news or posts or ideas, you know, webinars. That's where everything happens. Bradhussey.ca. Freelancingfreedom.com is my main project. Very cool. And we will link all of that up in the show notes. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, to reach out to you? Best way, uh, brad at bradhussey.ca would probably be the best. You know, I have a contact form uh, on my site if you forget. Um, but yeah, brad at bradhussey.ca. That'll send an email. Uh, either myself or a team member of mine will get back to you, depending on what it's about. Very cool. All right. Well, Brad, it's been really good catching up with you. Um, you know, I wish you all the best this year with Freelancing Freedom. I'm really excited to see where that takes you to. So thanks so much for being on the show. We'll catch you later. Thank you, Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning into the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. You'll be able to find show notes, including links to all the resources that Brad mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you've got any feedback about the show, if you'd like to suggest a future guest, or if you just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. You can say hi on Twitter at twitter.com slash coder podcast. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and if you feel so inclined, it would be great if you could leave a review and subscribe. And if not, no hard feelings. Until next time, happy hacking.